With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports podcast that you delete a little faster than a Brianna Wu esports tweet. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and I'm joined as I always am by Seven. I, I wish I would have known exactly what that reference was to, uh, largely because I, I know that that tweet was deleted, so I have no idea the context. You'll have to tell me after the show because <laughs> I'm like sure it's how, controversial. Yes, because it, they it, always are, and you, it like comes over your face slowly as you get my <laughs> reference and go, it's like it's the only part of the show I can get away with doing that without you nixing it ahead of time. So, <laughs> Well, the, th- the thing is, like on the uh, bus ride into the office, I was like, you know, what was this all about? And then, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It was deleted, so I was like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> Internet drama. <laughs> don't need any of it. There's plenty of it. Apparently, Listen to a, last show. A, a, con- a congressional candidate, and I use that in the loosest terms possible, believes that uh, we don't allow women in esports. We just have rules uh, against it. It's just horrible. And then all the uh, women of the esports okay. internet descended upon her, and then she started blocking them faster than our president does. So it was, <laughs> you know, she's all set all right, for then. political office. Yeah, not Warm a worthy story for the show, but it lets me work it in there and take a little, you know, a little jab, a little poke in that direction. But we are not going to be talking about Brianna Wu. We are going to be talking about Seven's favorite subject. We're going to talk about the wonderful Drake and Ninja breaking the internet. He's already rolling his eyes and groaning yeah. at me. And we're yeah. going to talk about something a little more exciting. Dragon Ball Fighters had its debut at final round as far as tournament play goes. And I'm super stoked. And just when it looked like we were going to go a week without talking about Overwatch League player conduct... Seven sent me a couple links, and here we are once again. So the latest thing we need to talk about is the Code of Conduct. So the Code of Conduct has been this thing that we know exists. Nate Nanzer has admitted that it exists. 
but we haven't seen it despite them many times i feel like stating that they should they use the nba always as an example because the nba posts their code of conduct um i believe in an article he made a some ridiculous statement about how they just haven't gotten around to it um i'm a web developer seven's a web developer if you'd like to borrow our services for a whole i don't know 35 seconds that it would take to paste this into an html doc and link it on your site like we'd be glad to help Um, i think you had the you had the best the best reference should we buy them a gift certificate of one of those like uh, what is it like? Just text to like HTML web page services. Yes, or yes. There, there is like, somebody oh, in go. a third world country waiting to do it for nineteen ninety five. We also mechanical Turk it, where we could have the entire internet just like add one word at a time, like just to make it fun. I don't know. It's silly, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is Richard Lewis, the wonderful, lovely, destructive Richard Lewis, has gotten his hands on the actual code of conduct. He is currently scrubbing it for a quote unquote incriminating metadata, which is basically he just doesn't want you to know how he got it. Um, But he started looking at the XQC situation based on this code of conduct, trying to figure out exactly how they are applying the rules and coming to the conclusion that he believes that XQC has grounds for appeal and most certainly should appeal the decision. So, Seven, let's talk a little bit about this. You, You were the one that actually sent me this article. Like, looking at this, it does seem a little flimsy. Now, you and I had speculated a bit last time that this was a little soft and felt like maybe that they were like punishing XQC for prior transgressions and other comments that he made that may have not necessarily been of the variety that got him in trouble, but were still disparaging to Overwatch League and sponsors. And this certainly lends a little bit of credence that direction, in my opinion, but I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I think it does a, a little bit here because it's only, I think uh, it's mentioned it's like a 35-page document, 10 of which pages are focused solely on streamer conduct, which I guess uh, it's very important. We've talked multiple times, like lock those people down. They should be able to, they should know what they can and can't do on stream. It yep. turns out that about 30% of the code of conduct <laughs> is about that. locking them down on stream. But so there's multiple things, uh, I think, that throughout the, the document or throughout the, the article that Richard points out. That uh, you know he has the ability to uh, appeal it. Uh, he has. You can look at what they've done with other people in terms of how they've been fined and how they've been, um, you know, banned from certain games or certain uh, certain stages, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a great call out that XQC does have some grounds. Um, I, he felt, uh, at least Richard Lewis felt, in some way, shape, or form that. Blizzard was a little too involved in the process mm-hmm. of getting XQC out of the league yep. versus what they should have been. Because he points out that Monte Cristo talks about him being amputated nearly like a day or two before uh, XQC being amputated from the league, essentially. Yes. And, and that's uh, one thing that Richard I thought was interesting. So he claims to have sources, and we never, you know, I say claims because we have to be careful here, but he claims to have sources that state that people in Overwatch League had reached out to the Dallas Fuel and were trying to make moves behind the scenes to get them to drop XQC from the roster before they had even made the announcement, which is just... Right. I mean... It's crazy. I'm not surprised because we have assumed that Overwatch League was taking a pretty heavy-handed approach. We have plenty of evidence to show that they're taking a heavy-handed approach here. This is not the NBA where the owners of the league have a significant amount of power. There's always collective bargaining and things of that nature. This is very much Overwatch League's playground, and they feel the need to kind of push things around. So that, in combination with him seeing things like you mentioned, the Monte Cristo thing around, there was a, you know, 
specifically aimed at some of the cancer comments that were made by XQC, saying the casting was cancerous. But they're given some of the stuff, and you pointed this out to me last week, right? You were talking about some of these sly comments that were being made by the casters in general and how you felt like they were poking at XQC and a few other folks very specifically. And with that pattern of behavior and the information that we have, it's really hard for me not to believe that there's some of that going on here. Yeah, and I think, again, he Richard points out the exact cast in which he talks about or where Monte Cristo has this diagram of, of kind of things of, of, like, I guess they're essentially, I don't know, associating, like, certain things with it overwatch the parts of the body. And XQC was, like, a hand, and he basically talks about him getting amputated. And this was just a day or two, maybe even three days prior to the announcement of it, which leads, or at least could lead, some to believe that maybe Monte Cristo even knew it was more well-known. It wasn't well-protected that XQC was going uh, out, which means that it would have been more in the Blizzard camp of knowing about XQC than it would have been in the Dallas Fuel camp. Now, we know the Dallas Fuel picked up OGE, which that's a whole other possible story of disaster, maybe. Uh, but, I mean, that was, a, that was a clear signal, like, okay, something's coming. But it wasn't a, exactly like, okay, he's being removed. Yeah, it was more of like a... a day later, I think. Yeah, a little yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. In fact, they even said that XQC stood for extremely questionable conduct. That's what it was. Yes. yes. Which yes. was, and needed to be amputated, was the only solution to the problem. So it was... This is not a good look for the Overwatch League, I'm going to be honest. Now, Nate Nanzer has come out in an interview on ESPN and stated that this was not the case, that the Overwatch League had not reached out to the Dallas Fuel and asked for this. But you and I had also had some conjecture when we watched XQC's reaction stream that he knew ahead of time that this was probably coming down because he didn't react as if he didn't know it was happening. He was just surprised that it had been announced at the timing that it had been. So this timeline is compressed enough because we're just talking about a matter of days across these events that we're discussing. It's really hard for me to buy that Overwatch League and Monte Cristo or however you want to label it didn't know that this was going to happen because I think it was pretty clear that the Dallas Fuel knew at this point that it was going to happen and maybe even XQC knew at this point that it was going to happen. Yeah, it is. It's it's quite uh, quite obvious that his reaction was that he knew it was coming before it, it landed, and it wasn't a surprise. I think he was maybe surprised that it was the day that he was doing it because he was streaming. I think that was exactly where he's like, well, if I'd known that they were going to announce it today, I, would I wouldn't have streamed off. today. Right, right. And so and that was the only real uh, questionable thing around. I mean, he knew it was coming, but he didn't know when, essentially. Yeah. And uh, which is still better than most people who get fired from the White House. But it's uh, <laughs> which is true that most of them find out like at least he wasn't like tuned in like Fox and Friends and find out that XQC is gone. Yeah. Uh, or like but Monte Cristo just tweets about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, XQC I mean, gone from Dallas Fuel. Sad. Total witch hunt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's uh, it is problematic. I, I don't think that I think so, that some of the bits in which are being used or being done by the Overwatch uh, casters and, and some of their extraneous content that they're doing kind of filler throughout the week uh, can be seen a little bit in poor taste, especially when you're having a lot of these random events going on where people are just like, why are you doing like shoulder gate, right? <laughs> we talked about shoulder gate. <laughs> and you mentioned like, can we mention shoulder gate? Because nobody knows what the hell that means. Like someone, a player issuing a, or a coach, sorry, issuing a public apology about re- shouldering two people behind stage because he quote unquote, wasn't paying attention to where he was going. It wasn't like a malicious thing, but nobody knows 
who was complaining about it, like, or why it just came across as like, I'm sorry, world. I'm sorry for doing something. But now it's just, they're getting one after another, after another. And I think the easy, one of the easier ways to get out of this situation is to stop making fun of players and antagonizing. Like we had mentioned last week. And you you should not be able to say, yeah, the best thing for this league is for XQC to be amputated or whatever, like that whole. I, and I understand, like Monte Cristo, he's got his own shtick. He does his own thing, but that should not have been done. I and agree. now, now, if you look back on it within context, again, you've raised more questions. Yep. You, you, the 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 unbiased nature that I ex- I expect the talent team to have to a certain degree, and I'm not talking about who they pick to win and things of that nature. I'm talking about these behind the scene things that clearly some of them are privy to that are leaking into the content is unprofessional in my opinion. And I also think it can be a little bit of a two way. It should be a two way street and it isn't because I guarantee you if, for example, this show was to make a joke about some of this stuff in a way that offended blizzard to the level that they are poking at their players, they would look poorly upon us if we were like trying to be media partners or something of that. So it's got to kind of go, like, yeah. you have to take it as much as yeah. you can get it. And I don't think that's the case. And I'm not advocating that we should be allowed to like cross a certain line as people covering the Overwatch League. But if you would get offended that we would take that stance, you should really not do that stuff internally because no matter how you try yeah. to spin it, Watchpoint, their intern, mm-hmm. you know, the show that Overwatch mm-hmm. League produces around the Overwatch League is run by Overwatch League. So yeah. the things that people say reflect upon the league. Right. And if you look at it, we've seen often in traditional sports, how many times have you seen someone on, say, ESPN Sports Center or just an ESPN show or any kind of talk show related to a sport say something, and then the athlete turns around and responds to it in some way, shape, or form, right? Yep. The problem, while that creates a, a, a bit of a feud, a bit of a back and forth, whatever, blah, 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 it's not reflected on the NBA. It's not reflective on, on the NFL because you know what? That other show, like that ESPN, that podcast, that radio show, is they don't a, own a the third NBA. party. Yes. It's a third party, right? Yep. And it's not like your bosses or someone who's employed by your employer. He, essentially, the, this is a coworker fight. And so what goes for a player should also go for a caster. Yes. I know we've kind of rabbit, yeah, we've ha- kind of rabbit hole into this a little bit. But it does harken back to the fact that like XQC does have a little bit of grounds to to maybe challenge this as to like yes. why is he able to say this about me? I'm not able to say this. And some of the things XQC was also talking about was some of the usage of his tryhard emotes uh, were taken out of context at times when he one wasn't watching the stream and two wasn't necessarily related. Uh, to Overwatch League. Yeah, so if you look at these rules that Richard Lewis has called out, and he kind of tries puts a timeline together in this article that we'll link in the show notes, and what is interesting to me about this is we only have a single instance during the stream, regard, let's pretend for a second, we can't prove whether or not he was looking at the screen and paying attention, so let's take that out of the right. conversation for a second. He claims he wasn't looking at the screen, but open yes. just chat, yeah. which... Whatever. Whatever. That's irrelevant, to be honest. Yeah. Like, that's fine, and he's, I get what he's doing. He's defending himself. But he only put one single usage of the try-hard emote. So that's – we'll say it's bad, right? It's irresponsible. He should know better, whatever. But if you look at the other instances, and when the rule is – and this is important because this is talking about continued – it uses the word harassment, which implies right. something more than, like, a single one-off thing that's really, like, 
hard to directly connect. These other usages that they've went and hunted down have just been randomly going on for months, as far back as January, XQC calls out, when there was no people of color on the screen at the time, him just using it. So now you're saying it was fine for you to use this, and this is a fair argument, right? You have, re- by saying nothing to him, you have reinforced that it's okay, and now it's not okay because of the timing. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some sort of reprimand. There should be a conversation with XQC about the look of this, the optics of this are not good. You should not do this. Right. But I think this boils down to something very important, and this may come out if he does appeal. He pissed off the Overwatch League. The first thing he did was not great. He mentioned sucking a dick on his stream, and he directed it towards somebody who was gay. That's bad. I don't disagree with any of that. He paid his punishment. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. He rolled on a little bit with, you know, you and I talked about the stream with the sponsorship content, and clearly there's a lot of ground rules about being disparaging on your stream to Overwatch League, to to sponsors, things of that nature. So let him go for that. You have made what actually should have been a clear-cut case far more complicated by slow-rolling it and then looking for a random excuse. You see this happen all the time. Don't punish You didn't punish him for the thing you should have punished him for, so you desperately go out and try to make up for it, right? So now you're trying to make up for it by something that is far more flimsy, and you're going to end up in a situation where the dude ends up getting some sort of recompense for it or gets some sort of reward or, heaven forbid, gets inserted back into the league because you went about this the wrong way. If you would have just cut him off when he did the first offense... There would have been some people upset, but it would have gone far smoother yeah. than this. But I, I think there, what we, we need to clear up is that it was the Dallas Fuel, and I'm doing air quotes, that released him, right? It wasn't the Blizzard coming down and doing it. <laughs> well, so, yeah, plausible but, deniability, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you have to look at the fact that like, it's not necessarily uh, indicative. It's not something that Blizzard themselves have done or they've gone and looked for, but... Richard makes a good point. If this is something that you is deemed as harassment or is offensive, why isn't it banned from that channel, right? So by not banning that emote, they're allowing it to be used. On top of that, Twitch has deemed it not uh, it's something global. that needs to be banned. It's a global emote, yep. and so therefore, they have chosen that it's the stance of it's not harassment. Now, do does it make any difference from when it was used in terms of context? Uh, and, and, you know, Malik being on screen, was it a racist thing for a majority of people? Yeah, I'm definitely sure it was. Was it for XQC? I don't know. Is it enough? Is, is, is it enough or is it grounds enough to remove him from the league or pressure the Dallas field to remove him because of that? I still don't believe so. No, I, okay. not because it's not solid enough proof. And that's right. what matters here, right? Because this is an arbitratable thing. This is no, we are no longer talking about a world where these people work for some organization and they come in for a tournament. We just willy nilly do our things. If you want to draw that line in the sand, Seven, and say this is a professional league and we want to treat it like the NBA, the NBA that has an entire process for arbitration for their players, they have the player association, so same as like the NFL, and same as we're starting to hear a lot of noise around for Overwatch. 
you've raised the bar and you no longer get to just deal do it because it's bad for business without having to go through the processes because you can't have process on one side without the other. If you say the players have to go through all this and they have to follow these rules and they're very stringent, then it needs to go both ways. And if you have an arbitration or an appeal process, he should be able to go through it. I also think because you know that is in place, if you're doing what is good for you to the league, then you should do it in a way that this stuff isn't going to blow back on you. You have a responsibility running this league to be careful about that because this is bad. You end up in these stupid shoulder gate stories. Right. We, we make fun of it. It is stupid. If you read some of the behind-the-scenes sources that are going on, there was an actual incident that this stemmed out of. There was some like aggressive shouldering, whatever the hell aggressive shouldering is, and the team, probably in a slightly snarky manner, went out and made this statement that has become hilarious because, A, it came out of left field. But even if you know what happened, it's making a joke of the process. It's making a joke right. of how Overwatch League manages these things. <laughs> and the only thing that's come out of it is the Overwatch League is upset because they're like, we want to approve these things ahead of time. Why? So you can cover your ass? How about we just have rules that are out there that right. we know about and we hold people to the damn rules? Kids are going to be kids. They're going to do stupid stuff. You deal with it. The more smoke and mirrors bullshit you have flying around, the more ridiculous all this ends up looking. Yeah, it it is true because you can't tell, or at least because it came out of left field and there was no real, uh, it wasn't really it responding to anything. It was just stating, "Hey, I'm sorry for shortering you." It, it came out as a couple different ways. You couldn't tell if it was snarky. You couldn't tell if it was legit apology. Uh, it can't kind of came across like like that Johnny Depp. I think it's like Amber Heard. Uh, video that they released about the Australian government uh, for sm- like bringing her dogs in and not declaring them, the, which starts off with like Australia is a wonderful island. <laughs> like, like so you don't know a hundred percent if they're just being dumb or if they're just being uh, incredibly dry and snarky about it. And so you can you can read a lot of things in here without knowing any kind of context around it because there was no context given except for hey i might have been looking down playing a nintendo switch and walked into someone but again you have but the the other piece is like you had mentioned if if everybody's on eggshells and worried that they might have done something which can get them booted you're going to see a lot of random apologies with no real uh, reasons for them and you turn the rules into a joke right the rules are now a joke that we and whether it is an intentional joke to the person making it or we are laughing as an audience because it is so like Care Bear now that we're to the point where people are like, you know, two dudes walking down the hallway and they like give each other the death stare. Are we going to like get an apology for that? Because, you know, we can't be aggressive and there's some rule that's like super open ended about aggression mm-hmm. towards players. Like, th- this is a slippery slope. Like, all joking aside, I don't like where this is going. And the smoke and mirrors around the conduct itself as well as the code of conduct, is bad. So I'm stoked that Richard Lewis is putting it out there. And I hope Overwatch League has nothing to say about it. And if I saw that he had his hands on it, and I truly, and I'm not bullshitting you when I say that we just haven't got to it, then you know what, Nate Nanzer? Polish up them HTML skills, brother, and get on there and put that shit up before Richard <laughs> Lewis publishes it and show it's, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, uh, you could probably... Instead of spending all those times getting people to remove Pepe emotes and pictures, you could just actually be posting 
or get an intern. You could actually, you could probably post for an intern just to put up code of conduct, and that's it. Like you'll probably get thirty thousand applicants just to put up. So they can put thing. interned at the Overwatch League on their resume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all I did was put up the, the code of conduct, which was copy paste. I mean, they have no that's problem it. hiring free help to moderate and then do revenge porn. So, like, this seems like a, a far. <laughs> oh man, just, is this show? I'm oh my gosh, let's just get off Overwatch. <laughs> I want to point out one hilarious moment, and we will move on, but there was a couple deleted tweets that came out of Shouldergate, and the funniest one was the shock say, down zero one, blah, 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 and then the London Spitfire, sorry, shock, we bumped into you on point A and stopped you from taking it. We're sincerely sorry for our actions and assure you that there was no malicious intent. <laughs> Even the teams are digging on it. Even the teams oh, are digging it's on it. Bad. It's bad. It's totally bad, but so awesome in the same breath, so... Yeah, I'm interested to see where this... I really want Overwatch League to do the right thing here and just put the damn code oh, of conduct oh. out. You know how they do uh, that? those little vignettes of, of characters where they kind of make... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, show mercy with two guns. Oh, and Zenyatta uh, walking. Are, like Zenyatta walking. They yeah. should put one, like, have Torbjorn shorter people. Just, just like, like walk what does that look like? <laughs> well, can he shoulder anybody? Is it more like shoulder That's thigh? Ca- yeah. That was kind of the joke. I know. Yeah. Well, I was trying to connect it for folks. Maybe they didn't get it. It's all right. It's they, all right. You've now offended all you, you, dwarven you've lowered engineers. The, so now you've exposed us to what we think the IQ quotient is of our <laughs> listener base, that we need to explain that Torbjorn is short. You do realize the people that listen to the show, right? We just made it. Well, yeah, I know. I know this. I mean, it was kind of figured out when we had our probably our longest conversation ever on Twitter, which was just about can we make an entire show about cats? <laughs> I mean, Basically, of course we can. The question is, is, should we? Well, I, we should. I think that should be like, uh, I don't know, Patreon content? Do we, we don't have one of those. Let's just we spin it up just for cat cat esports. We will start a Patreon. If we get like 20 bucks to the Patreon, we will do a cat episode. I, I feel like Christina is listening right now, like Venmoing <laughs> the money directly. Yeah. Cut that check. Let's Cut do that it. check, E-League. We're on it. All right. So hold on. I, I need a sip of water here because it's about to get salty. Oh, we're going into that part of the show. Yes. So we're about to talk about Drake. Now, the reason why this is going to get a little salty is because Seven got to do a little pre-debate with some of our production help. <laughs> that got a little got a little salty. So for those of you who've been living under a rock somewhere, um, sometime last week, Drake broke the internet. He got on a stream with Ninja. Um, who's a famous Fortnite streamer, if you don't follow Fortnite or it hasn't been shoved into your face. And they broke the single concur- single streamer concurrent viewer record at 635,000. The previous one was when your boy, and this, I think this is partially why you're salty. I'm just going to call you out for this, because Dr. Disrespect's record got broken by this whole nonsense. Um, Actually, but- it was uh, Tyler Wan was, had it. Before. He had a higher record before Doc. Doc did not break his record. Really? Because they had you know- Doc at 388. Uh, well, supposedly Twitch was broken at that point in time. I think uh, I had only heard him at 320 something, but he might have gotten higher. Yeah, they say 388. So regardless, it destroyed that record. That might have been T1. Yeah. And we broke the, and broke the internet. So there's been, of course, the mainstream, and when I say, well, obviously the mainstream media has gotten on this too, but talking specifically about the mainstream gaming media has kind of jumped on this, and it's being pitched as this, you know, seminal moment in video gaming culture, and that Drake getting involved is like somehow a cultural shift for, we'll call it streaming, I don't, I don't this is not necessarily related to esports, so it's more about like streaming and video gaming as a platform, uh, it got people like Dead Mouse super salty, there's a lot of salt in this story, by the way. 
way. Dead Mouse got super salty about it, and Seven got a little salty about it because you say salty, but all I did was agree with Dead Mouse's view of it. Which well, is so you guys are sharing the yeah. salt. Sharing no, the salt. neither of us are salty. Both of us are just <laughs> no, 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 dead mouse see is, it as is. Dead, dead mouse. Is We're salty. not pie in the sky, people. Uh, I don't but know anyways, if you go ahead. You were saying before I jumped in. <laughs> Why must you interrupt my salt? Um, so let's talk about this. Is this a seminal moment for gaming? Like, there is something here. No. I don't want to deny that there's something here. But sure. you don't it's think Drake that playing it's, video games. <laughs> it's Drake playing video games. You don't think it's that big of a deal? No, I don't. And, and here's why. Here's why, right? Thank you. I was hoping you'd if get you, to that part. Yeah, well, you had to stop talking to let me get there. You had to quit saying salty, salty, salty. Uh, you grabbed the so pen essentially and you it were, is like, this. Which, and when this whole conversation came up it was literally hours after it had happened yes i'm waving a, a random pen that i happen to just have in my hand sorry he's very I, yeah I've, I've gone all like i don't know harry potter i'm gonna turn things into whatever um I'm so gonna say the spell but i'll get it wrong yeah i don't know i didn't never really pay any attention harry potter i have no reference outside hey, of if, i might have a if stick. harry potter and ninja streamed and it got like a million views would that be a seminal moment maybe <laughs> i guess i don't know it's probably the same uh so it's Essentially, the, the day afterwards, everybody's talking about like how this is a great thing for gamers and it's changing everything, it's bringing all these people together. And I'm just like, what? Like, it's it's a bunch of people watching Drake do something. And and again, Ninja already had a bunch of people doing something, right? So then when that happens, then it gets thrown up on the front page of, of Twitch because whatever, it's boosting it. It's, it's just a bunch of people watching two people play a game. And yes, I know Drake brought other people into it and it was just kind of cool to see Drake do it. But at the same point in time, Drake could have periscoped himself taking a shit. And at the same point in time, probably 300,000 people would have came and watched it. Seminal now, Ninja for toilets. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds a little awkward. I, I purposely but, said it that way. <laughs> anyways, uh, again, it's just people watching Drake play. Now, Everybody tries to say, like, well, they're, they're, they're fans of Drake. They may not be fans of Fortnite. But I guarantee you that fans of Drake who came to watch him play a video game are fans of video game. So who are the winners in this? Who are the people who make out in this? Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, right? Ninja and Drake. Tell me how gamers as a whole win from this situation. I've heard multiple people give me, like, examples as to why, like, well, just, you know, it it... I don't know, vindicates us that, it, you know, playing games is not just a dumb thing. I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't. It's just now instead of one person, there's two people playing video games. One of them just has to be, both of them have to happen to be really popular. But again, out of this, did did Ninja go and give a bunch of money to charity, all the money that was made during that stream? No. Did anything come out of this for in terms of like, I don't know, what, what some people tried to equate it to was, you know, violence in video games. Did anything from that come stem from it? No. He did get a CNBC interview. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Watch out. And I heard it was also mentioned in People magazine. He's like, gonna, seriously. He's be time man of the year. Right, right. People People magazine's man of the year or man with best hair color of the year. And it'll be like a little corner maybe on something. Like but in all honesty, like where? And how? Like how is this a huge thing for gaming? And so I what happened is is Dead Mouse had the same view. He's like, it's just two people playing video games. It's not like a big deal. Like somebody who's famous or a musician who's famous goes and plays video games. And I know a lot of people attacked him because he's someone who's famous and he plays video games. But at the same point in time, like, okay, he's not Drake, he doesn't have as many followers as Drake. So it's just a bigger musician playing video games. But it's still one person playing video games. Not like 
you you would have to i don't know what you would have to do but you would have to actually prove the fact that it has any kind of wave socially i don't know just politically you show me an example outside of the cnbc interview which still doesn't give an example uh of how this has made any kind of wave I can argue that anything that E-League has done or the WB has done, which has taken games and put that on TV, is arguably more important and has made more of a statement and made more of a wave than Drake saying, hey, I want to play Fortnite. I don't know how to set up anything, including Discord. Call me on my phone. Great. There's at least probably 20 to 30 minutes of tech support in him doing it. So... Fixed by print. Yes, totally valid. So, so I, I, I want to talk about a couple of things here. So I'm going to do what everyone hates that I do, and I'm going to draw an analogy to soccer. So for many, many, many <laughs> endless years, people talk about waiting for that, that moment, the watershed moment, and they try to pin this watershed moment to any number of things that have happened in the history of soccer in the United States is that thing that is going to make soccer as big here as it is in Europe. When the reality is, is everything is just a totality of the circumstances. Over time, these things draw more people in, increase the legitimacy of the sport, and make it a bigger deal. If you look at it as snapshots in time, it was smaller 10 years ago than it is now, and it sounds like a really fun and interesting narrative to go through and find the two or three things that we think make it a big deal and say those are watershed moments. But that's not actually what happens. And I think what you have here is something very similar. Now, while I completely agree with you that this is not like a night and day moment where it didn't wake up in a new world the cool, day we're after going to break. streamed Fortnite. <laughs> but there are things that matter here. Like, uh, there are things that matter are it is a big deal for Fortnite. And regardless yeah. of the reasoning, and there are, and I, I, I'll question the motives in some of these things, but people who have not necessarily been associated with video games see the opportunity and getting associated with video games. One particular person that has caused a lot of drama is Logan Paul, the infamous YouTuber that has now decided he's going to start a Twitch channel and he's going to stream Fortnite. I'm not saying this is a positive, but these are the things that happen. Yeah, completely. Like, I was like, wait a minute. Are you trying to bring up points in which this has made things better? No, in the no, world? I didn't say made things better. I think okay. make a difference. It's bringing right. more eyeballs to Fortnite, it's bringing more eyeballs to Twitch. So I think it's important from that standpoint. Completely anecdotal. I follow a lot of people on Instagram that have nothing to do with video games, people that are in the fashion industry, people who are into sports. Drake is a big deal in music. He's a big deal in fashion and sports. And so they see this, and there's more, generally speaking, more talk about Fortnite and streaming than there was before. I don't think it drastically changes the world. I think as you look back and go, are, is there more eyeballs here today than there were yesterday? Yeah. How, long, how much longevity is there to that? I have no idea. There'll be 500 more moments like this. I think some of the things that you brought up are moments. When we break the record and break a million concurrent viewers of the Boston Major for CSGO, I think that's important. I think it's important for different reasons. Because it's more about the validity of esports, and we're talking about people who are already video game fans, largely, you know, coming over to esports. And I think that's what's happening here. We have people who 
maybe not necessarily not gamers. I think there's a huge following for the FGC in the hip-hop community, in some of the sports community. You look at the people that are celebrities that care about Street Fighter and things of that nature. Dragon Ball Z, as we'll talk about here in a bit, has done a lot to bring that crowd into the fighting game scene because it's the same you know, stuff that brought those people into the anime scene. So I think there is some significance here, but I think we have gotten a little too prone to hyperbole and are are m- missing some of the nuance and papering over it by just looking at it as a black or white. Is it like change the world? And it doesn't change the world, right. but I do think there, this is an important moment and we go back and we pick like, if I have to tell you the most important things that happened to make Twitch a bigger platform or Fortnite a better game or streaming more mainstream in the last year, you have to put it on that list, even if we think it doesn't fundamentally change the stigma or lack thereof of gaming yeah i think what it is a lot of people as you mentioned we're we're basically calling this a great thing for gamers everywhere but it i I don't see that part right is it great for drake twitch fortnite ninja yeah great for all of them great for everybody else joined in on that stream is it going to change perception of gamers everywhere no and 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 maybe some people were trying to say like you brought a lot of people together and what sure. do you think games have been doing for like the longest time? Yeah, this and, is the latest so version just, of it. Yeah, whatever. It's just the thing is, is I think that you know they were like, well, you've got a bunch of people who listen to Drake in the same stream as a bunch of people who watch Ninja play. And I'm like, if you think that neither of those groups ever have run into each other in the history of their lives, or even know of each other, then you're. Or, what rock are you under? Like, I don't get this. And so I guess a lot of the reasons why I was, I was debating this before and you thought I was salty and I, it was very clear that I'm not salty. I think it's actually a really cool thing that happened. I just don't see it becoming, sorry, it stopped recording. Uh, I just don't see it becoming this, a great, uh, this making this huge wave within gaming culture and the perception of gamers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I think it is perfectly okay to get excited about a celebrity of some stature, whether it be from inside our world or outside our world, like in gaming. One of the things that I think is awesome is I love when, like, Kenny Omega does stuff at Evo. You know, he's I'm a big wrestling fan. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, and it's cool to see him come in there. I don't think it's, like, a amazing melding of wrestling fans and gaming fans that is going to somehow do it. Just as I think it's mm-hmm. cool when I see Rocket League-sponsored WWE events, because I think it is a new audience for Rocket League to get in front of. This is no different than any other type of marketing, regardless of whether this was intended as such as not. And I know there's some people out there that view it as some sort of, you know, influencer engagement campaign that has been cleverly masked by Drake and you know what I don't really give a crap if that's the case or not <laughs> like because anymore does that really matter like is, do we are we really arguing about the authenticity of it like in the end the dude got on there he played some Fortnite it's a big deal okay. one other th- people I will say probably benefit from this is other Fortnite streamers like if you if you subscribe to the belief that this will get more people into Fortnite, just generally speaking. Like, there's some people that didn't know about Fortnite. There were Drake fans that now know about right. Fortnite, or it's in the media, now we know about Fortnite. That's good if you're a Fortnite streamer, for sure, because there's potential more audience that are now interested in watching Fortnite on Twitch. And like you said, good for Twitch. Um, so I think I'd like to scale this back. I think it's a good day for Twitch. I think it's a good day for Ninja. I think it's a good day for the game. Um, I don't feel any different as a gamer. I didn't need, nor did I want, Drake's, you know sign off for blessing that gaming is now cool because I feel like we've gotten that in many, many, many cases. I think it's a bit 
of a victim complex to be quite honest is as gamers we still feel like we are targeted right, right. like if i'm gonna be frank i think that's more of like a that's a very gamer gatey sounding type thing we're like we're being targeted it's unfair it's just like look it's been cool to be a nerd to a certain degree for quite a while now like let's get over <laughs> that mentality like we're cool well, and well, we're all smart and rich and making money like what the fuck ever it, it's it's just stupid to me that we've taken it to that level yeah. that we feel like we're these victims that need validation so that's more where i push back on that like that's the part where i'm just kind of like get over ourselves Life is not that freaking bad. There are literally freaking Ninja is making millions of dollars a year now from streaming a damn video game. We don't get to play the victim card anymore. We've clearly found an outlet for our hobby that is making a hell of a lot more money than some dude that's okay at basketball. So, like, it, right. like I, I think that's the part that I'd like to see change more of this feeling that we even need something like this or that it's necessary to validate the hobby. The hobby makes billions of dollars a year in revenue. What are we waiting for again? Like, what's going to happen? What's the feeling that yeah. needs to happen? That wash over it, me? It, and Twitch has like higher numbers now than CNBC, I believe it was mentioned, and, or and uh, CNN, I think, total viewership wise. Yep. So, yeah, I don't understand. It was the equivalent now at this point in time of Ninja going on a podcast because CNBC was leeching off of Ninja in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we need to get this Ninja kid on to get our uh, ratings up. <laughs> ratings up, right? Let's just put a bunch of you know stock symbols behind him because that makes sense. Yes, uh, well, perfect. It's, it's yeah. CNBC. That was Waves the interesting made. part. It was, it was just a weird context more than anything else for me. Like, I'm sorry, is he like impacting the stock market now? Like, is that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I think what this was is this was just uh, insider politics. This was like just them throwing the finger to People Magazine is really yep, what it was. Yep, yep. I think we should get him involved in like the Russia investigation. I bet he could solve those problems too. Him and Drake. <laughs> it's coming down a little hotline bling. I have no well, idea what hotline bling means, by the way, because I'm not a Drake fan. But <laughs> I just thought I'd name drop it so we're cool. Get some more viewers. Just saying. I don't know if it helped at all. I don't, I don't think that helped our case. At no, all. Nothing Drake on this not show so far today has uh, helped our case, if we're being fair. So anyway, that's Drake and Twitch and Ninja. I'm excited in general. I think it's cool. Um, I think some people looked at what Dead Mouse said and looked at it as a jealousy thing more than anything else because right, you know, right. there's this angle of like, oh, I've been doing it and I'm not getting this kind of attention, which is, you know, not untrue. Um, but you know it is what it is. So seven, I, what you can't see right now is Seven's got one of his Ovo hats on. He has no idea what I'm talking about, but people who know Drake are know what I'm talking about. He's got one of his Ovo hats on. He's got Hot Light Bling playing in the background. He's got his John Wick skin. He's he's That's ready it. to go. I, I'm I'm kind of dancing around like I don't know Bill Cosby with one leg. Whatever that <laughs> is. That how you describe how Drake dances? Yeah, it's like it's imagine like a, like a grandfather. Bill Cosby is probably like the worst worst reference to make there because it's not like he's like. Well, I don't know that move. He could have been throwing out roofies at people. He could have been. That's exactly what that is. He's like a roofie for you, a roofie for you. It just reminds just me of like this like people, old man dancing, leaning over. Maybe has a walker. It's, whatever. There's still re- dropping there, roofies on the ground. The man, the man has <laughs> more memes about him than I have money, so I can't really say. Yeah, I know Drake can't do no point. wrong at this point, man. He even like no. was like single handedly responsible for breaking like an 18 game winning streak in the NBA. By just like going on the court and predicting that the Raptors were going to beat the Rockets, so the man is magical. It's it's kind of hard to disagree with him at this point. So cool on Ninja. I think the Ninja story is cool. I know there's some haters out there, and I've I've seen a little hate flying a few people's way about how he got his subscriptions and being you're fake Twitch too, Prime. Far too invested in all this. I, I people, cool. There's all this drama Something around happened. Ninja. I'm just stoked for the dude. Like I think it's a cool story. It's like I think it's yeah. that that is good for streaming. 
but you know, it is what it is. The other awesome thing that happened this week was final round, which is kind of like the official kickoff of the FGC season. And it meant the first official-ish tournament debut of Dragon Ball Fighters. Now, this is a game that you and I talked about quite a bit when it was announced and was getting close to release, and I was super hyped about it for a variety of reasons. This is coming from one of my favorite fighting game developers. This also seemed like more of a spiritual successor to Marvel vs. Capcom than Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite itself turned out to be. Right, um, right. It's also anime-based. It basically ticks all the boxes. It is the most accessible game in the anime slash air dashers you know genre that ever in my opinion like the control why, scheme why do, you, why do you say that from control scheme yeah the standpoint? control scheme standpoint okay and from the source material standpoint if you look outside of marvel versus capcom if you look at the other arc system games for example and you look at the crazy characters that come out of like the guilty gear series or the blaze blues series it's a little weird if you are not into that genre to begin with, where this is Dragon Ball Z, and people love Dragon Ball Z, whether it's about the fighting game, whether it's about the anime. It has become a cultural sensation all over again with the release of Dragon Ball Super. In fact, I saw something you know, tangentially related, but they just had a milestone episode of Dragon Ball Super. Don't worry, I don't watch it to give you guys spoilers. But there was like 10,000 people in like South America that were all gathered in this courtyard watching it being streamed on a television. Like... Dragon Ball is a big deal again. So I think it's a huge thing for this fighting game to be able to kind of be a part of that, mm-hmm. that culture that's going on. But what is more mind-blowing to me was how ridiculously good this tournament turned out to be. Your boy Sonic Fox is up there dressed in blue doing his thing, proving that he is just damn good at every fighting game ever created, whether it's Injustice or it's Dragon Ball. The the Tasty Steve, who's one of my favorite commentators, is up there with Katana yeah. Prime doing some just sick ridiculous my favorite style of fighting game commentary there is no casting like fighting game casting that is mm-hmm. not like they are casting but they are hype men and it is beautiful and it is fun <laughs> as hell to watch and if you don't enjoy if you just didn't turn off the sound and enjoyed it it would go up like to n- over 9000 when you turned on tasty steve and katana cuz it was Amazing. Now, that's me as a fighting game fan that loves this stuff. But you are not as big of a fight. You are not into fighting games to the level that I'm into fighting games. So I'm curious right. your take after watching this. So uh, it was interesting. So I kind of hopped in right around the semifinals. And yep. uh, I watched from semifinals on. And what I found was that it, it the first, I think, semifinals match uh, that I watched was, uh, oh, it was Sonic Fox versus... Starts with a D. Can't remember off the top of my head. Anyways, that aside, uh, it's really just for the fact of like it was really difficult to tell what was going on, and it was difficult to tell some of the strategy around kind of you know tagging people in this, that, and the other. Right? Not being someone who I again I know Marvel versus Capcom previous versions, but there's also like I remember going and and playing Marvel versus Capcom just on a whim randomly one time and being like. Holy shit! I have no idea what is going on. Just this is like cool far, shit. far too much. Yeah, right. And so, so I think that's one of the ways that uh, if you were to turn off the sound and watch it, Street Fighter is something, and Tekken and them are, are far more watchable in that sense because you don't have to know a lot. It's like one on one; they're kicking the shit out of each other. You kind of get it, right? It's a bit slower moves, pace too. It, it is. It's slower pace. This is again. I'm also not a huge DBZ fan, so I, I I like to watch 
shows that progress one punch over a, a couple of seconds. <laughs> okay, you're, you're about to get some seasons. hate mail from people now. Right, 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 right. Trust me. My, I love anime. I never took to DBZ because DBZ was the epitome of stretching out content to last for seasons. Damn you, Funimation. Right? Uh, so that aside, sorry. And so I couldn't really uh, jump into the source material. But I'll tell you, once I got to the finals match, I was hooked. Like, I was 100% in on it. Like, I was it, just... What... Sonic Fox could do in terms of swinging it back with Android. It's Android 16. Yep, it was just yep. magical. And it almost didn't boil down to like, okay, this is Dragon Ball Fighter. This is DBZ context stuff. It was just, it was two Good. amazing players doing some amazing stuff. And it was super yep. swingy. It went from what? Like at one point in time, 2-1 two, to 2-2 two, two, to 3-2. Like it was just super back and forth, always hanging on there. And and so I really, really, really did enjoy it. And I enjoyed it just as much as that time when we nearly got kicked out of hotel room, you know, <laughs> yelling about Street Fighter, uh, the Capcom uh, Pro Tour finals, like that kind of stuff. Oh, like, you mean I you was were singing into... Ricky, Ricky, you so fine? All right, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, again, I was really into it. It was amazing. I will tell you this, what I what I find interesting, and I know it's, it's I love casting uh, that, that Tasty Steve does. Um, and just FGC to casting in general, but it was also kind of evident that they weren't hundred percent certain of what was going on. And so, but they were hype men and they made it super enjoyable, right? You yep. don't necessarily need to know the name of a move or why something was done or whatever it may be, but just their reactions. I think at one point in time, didn't Tasty Steve grab Katana and him, he yelled out, stop. I just got a tattoo or something yes, like that. And Tasty yes. Steve was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. This is just too much. But I mean, that is just because they're, because they're so invested, they elevate it. Right. I know. And so I don't need to know the strategies behind uh, certain moves or ta- tagging in. I just need to know the basics and listen to the hype. And I was already bought in. So yeah, that's that's my take on it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I, it was a little difficult to get into, but it really only took about 10, 15 minutes to get into. Could, would I have been able to get into it and fully enjoy it, like, say, at a bar where I can't hear it and it's just on a TV? Oh, no. I don't think harder. so. Yeah, And I'd say that about a lot of esports that are due. Like, I, I probably True. feel that way about Overwatch, to be honest. Yeah. Like, if I just watch the yeah. shit show. But I think, it was, I think the point here is this was a good debut for Dragon Ball Fighters. Like, you could not ask for a better tournament and a better set of matches and a better set of casters for when eyeballs are starting to get on this game. There was 50-plus thousand people streaming the finals for this. And this is not, you know, final round is, is a big deal, but this is not like Evo-level, you know, hype at this point. So if it can do right. 50,000... There's a lot of people that gave a little bit of grief to the Evo committee, you know, partially because they left Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite off the the main games, but mostly because they're like, oh, this is a new game. How do you know how this is going to do? And, you know, Cross-Tag Battle, Blaze Blue Cross-Tag Battle is also getting the same thing. But right now, it's looking like one of the best decisions that they could have made because 50000 now, like, what is that going to get to eventually? And the casting was, like, I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it is completely different. It is... It, I, I'm going to use another, you know, I'm going to draw it back to another thing I love to talk about a lot, but like this is like what makes good. You talk about those old Jim Ross wrestling 
casts that he would do, the calls and the play-by-plays he would do with Lawler would like make it exciting even if you had no idea what was going on, which is why they get like mm-hmm. laid over these stupidest sports and memes all over the internet for like 20 years later because it's good. And when you hear stuff like Tasty Steve call it the Family Matters special and the My Brother and Me special <laughs> because of how many members of Go... Uh, Gohan's family come out during the special move. Like it's just stupid stuff like that that is just hilarious. They went, they ran with that stupid basketball metaphor for Android 16 for like a solid 20 minutes about him like dunking I, and. I I like the uh, the Dolby surround metaphor. Yes, every <laughs> like, time he does his super. And, yeah, but it makes it relatable to people that may not right. actually know what is going on, right? Like if I tune, if I'm casually watching Hearthstone, I'm gonna pick on Hearthstone for a minute. But if I'm casually watching Hearthstone, it's not super exciting. It's a little bit slower paced, and that's obviously an extreme example, right? But if you who knows absolutely nothing about what's going on with Dragon Ball Fighters, because it's a combination of like I never really got into this anime, I'm not really into fighting games, and this is one of the more like holy shit, what's going? It's the Overwatch of fighting games when it comes to the neon shit show going on on the screen. But you were still able to follow it and enjoy it and get super invested in what was happening. And that's the beauty of the FGC. And this is really, to me, great for Dragon Ball Fighters. And I really think this could be the game that really breaks anime fighters specifically closer into the mainstream alongside things like Street Fighter because I think they have been a little harder to sink your teeth into and there have been like in my opinion like grand finals of things like Guilty Gear at Evo last year and Blaze Blue at Evo last year were not nearly as exciting as what you saw like out of Street Fighter which was great and Street Fighter always you know Street Fighter because of the nature of it and the personalities involved always tends to deliver like a more tense performance right like you get like super hyped when you watch a lot of street fighter and it's partially because to your point right you know a bit much what's going on so you can get behind it from a mechanic standpoint as well it's not purely on the casting or the just like dramaticness of the fight that you're currently watching yeah it's definitely a slower pace more of a a little bit more of a a, of a chess match i guess you could say like again i I was super into it i keep saying like i don't enjoy the fgc i really do enjoy it when i watch it i don't get a chance to play it a ton uh Again, that's just not something I totally invest in, but I really, really enjoy it. Now, I, I do question whether or not, like, I got into it, and it was a little difficult to get into. I, I, I As I had mentioned, I don't know if somebody who's maybe a casual watcher of just random games would stop and give it as much of a chance as I did. Um, but that aside, it really wasn't that long. Again, it was only, like, the equivalent to maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a hundred percent sold and I'm in it for the rest of the rest of the time. And it was amazing. And I think largely, uh, again, it, a lot of that falls on the type of casting. Right. And yep. so, and Sonic again, Fox. tasty Steve, like it doesn't matter. It could just be a freaking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reveal. And I'm bought into it because tasty Steve is just know, super hype. Just on like, it's so hype. Look at that mask. Yeah. Like he's just, he could, he could just cast somebody making an omelet and it would seem like the coolest thing in the world. And so it's, again, it's a combination of a lot of things, but it's and good. the fact that the, yeah, well, yeah. And the, I, I was just interested to hear like why you thought it was going to be something that totally brings all anime games to the forefront, because I, I, I as someone who wasn't, who knows of DBZ, I know some of the characters names. I don't know anything really about the story arc or I'm not super invested in the yep. IP, so to speak. Yep. Uh, it was still entertaining, but I, I again I don't know how. Uh, again, another yep. thing like like Drake, <laughs> uh, Guilty Gear could just as well be 
just as entertaining to me, I guess. Yeah, so there's a few things at play here. When I when I want to talk about when I talk about being big, I'm not talking about it breaking out being the next big esport that's like dominating against like Counter Strike or Overwatch. What I'm talking about is it's starting to get closer to rivaling the popularity of Street Fighter when it comes to Street Fighter is is both a fighting game, so that's step one, and as an esport within the FGC. So the popularity of Dragon Ball at this current moment cannot be downplayed. Dragon Ball Super at this point, as far as cultural awareness, is at pretty close to its peak. This is rival levels of when DBZ was big when you and I were younger, right? Like, you and I, I'm the right. same way. I am not huge into the Dragon Ball universe. I'm literally just starting to go through it from the beginning, which Lord knows how far I'll get. And I love anime. <laughs> I've just never gotten into Dragon Ball. That being said, you can't dismiss the cultural significance of Dragon Ball at this very moment in time with what Super is doing. So that's step one. Yeah. You, I mean, you could say you could argue the same point though about Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, for sure, even for sure. Justice, like those IPs are, are are really well known, and I, I would just love to see what would happen if this is thrown up and what uh, on TV and what those numbers would be or what that feedback is. Yep. Uh, because, or, or at least from from people who produce it and what they think, uh, because I I know from my view I, I I'm I'm again I'm biased because I'm going to watch it because I want to know what it's all about. Versus somebody who would just like happen upon it, would they give it a full chance? Versus something like Street Fighter, which is maybe a little bit easier to digest yep. initially. And I think versus before, any of the other ones, really. Right, and I agree. I think, but before we get to that conversation, it's about it getting enough traction within the FGC to start rivaling Street Fighter. I think. I I, I think it's there because I think every from a pro standpoint, all the pros are loving it. They're wanting to play it. Like it's just. It's as we've seen, Goichi and Sonic Fox both came from completely different games or genres, really, essentially. Yep. And here you have, like, as Tacey Steve had mentioned, or maybe as Katana had also mentioned, was like, these are two people that never would have met or played against each other because they play separate games as a whole, right? Yep. They play different styles of games. And here is Dragon Ball Fighters pitting the two of them against each other. Granted, Sonic Fox plays a lot, but this, this matchup would not have happened. And injustice too. It would not have happened in Marvel. Yep. And I think what Arc System has done is they have potentially, and I believe this is the case. We'll see how this plays out. I think they have found a control scheme and a system within this fighting game that has somehow both incredibly accessible for people that just want to be button mashers and enjoy controlling Dragon Ball characters and feeling somewhat powerful in a fighting game with more than enough depth to make the game interesting. Now, it's a pretty oppressive game at this point. You probably heard that word being tossed around a lot. Like, there's a lot of block game and defense going on here. I still am not sold on the auto combo Dragon Rush situation. It kind of gave right. me flashbacks to when you and I watched Injustice 2 and there was a stupid Trident Rush that Aquaman had that just got, like, spammed for rounds and rounds and rounds. So I think there is still a little bit there, but it's still young in the game. I think... As the scene gets deeper and more pros get into it and they spend more time with it, we get more diverse mm -hmm. fighters. Um, we get to the point where we can move beyond like overly leaning on the block game in the Dragon Rush, but we'll see where that goes. But I think they may have cracked that nut. And anime 
fighters up to this point have been renowned for having a lot of complicated systems. And Dragon Ball has a decent amount of systems. They have the sparking system. They've got the Dragon Balls that can suffer that can summon the Shenron, though that does not get used a whole lot as you heard to much to Tasty Steve's dismay. Um, you also have, you know, the normal combo system. There's things at play, but they have made it fairly transparent as opposed to something like Guilty Gear or Blaz Blue or even like going back to the Persona Arena world where there's just a lot going on. There's lots of different combos and, and counters and the way you use a meter. There's another meter and like, what the hell's going on? What's this extra persona? So it has found the sweet spot, in my opinion, for what an anime fighter needs to be. And it comes in at a time that the community is super disappointed in Marvel vs. Capcom. And I don't want to make this a hate fest because I haven't played a ton of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. And I know that there's a lot of, of pain being felt by that community right now. And I also know that they don't believe that the game is as bad as, as maybe those on the outside perceive it to be. But you can't argue that there's a very real gap in the FGC for your more traditional Marvel vs. Capcom 2-style anime fighter, and this game is coming in to fill that gap. And that is not something you can Mm -hmm. dismiss. So I think all the pieces are there for this to make a really strong go at it, with the one exception that now we're getting a new Smash Brothers game, so this may all go out the window as soon as Nintendo gets behind Smash Brothers as an eSport. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a good game. I think that uh, it's very enjoyable to watch. I had so much fun uh, watching it. I'll probably go back and watch the entirety of, uh, of Final Round just just because it was really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm behind it. I, I'm just curious as to, to why, because you're more ingrained in FGC than I am, as to why you felt like this was going to be the Drake of playing with Ninja of <laughs> anime games. The seminal so moments for anime yeah. games. I love my anime games. Yeah. I am I'm not an unbiased party here, so let's, uh, we'll be upfront about that. But overall, I think it's great. We'll see. Like, I could be completely wrong. I just feel like the exterior circumstances are just as ripe, and this is a great game to take advantage of them. But, like, again, Katana Prime, Tasty Steve, my, my hat off to you, gentlemen. That was some awesome hype commentary. We need more of that. I'm so glad that Ely got involved with those gentlemen because that is that is too awesome. We're not going to go through a lot of the other final round stuff. I, I think one thing worth noting. Well, there's a couple things worth noting. Um, infiltration in like a pretty cool reveal is now part of Panda Global. So that was pretty cool to just kind of like he just like I took the shirt off and got the little bit of the dramas and I thought that was pretty awesome. So that was a big deal. <laughs> and he ultimately ended up winning Street Fighter V Arcade Edition at final round. So a great debut for Panda Global, who I believe uh, Katana is also a part of that organization. So Panda Global yeah, continues to be a force within the FGC. There's also a little bit of drama that was started by a tweet that I thought was interesting. So there's a lot of hate for Abigail. Abigail is the is the Armika uh, for those of you that have been following the show for a while. Like Armika, everyone hated, and Malik came on the show and had a lot of hate for Armika just because it was a lot of cheese. So they started up. There was this tweet that said, "All you know, Abigail beat all these people," but it turned out to be like most of those were one person playing Abigail, and Abigail ended up not even making it to the top eight. But right, nobody right. remembered that part. All I could see on Twitter was. Abigail this and Abigail that and that's how everybody's like you know view of final round and Street Fighter went if you were not like tapped into it and paying closer attention you just assume that like Abigail was dominating the scene and I think it's largely because uh, multiple people had retweeted it Uh, I think like even like Justin Wong had retweeted it that that as well and so it again if you weren't watching it you would have thought like crap you know well again it's totally plausible a a newer character coming out being op geez we've seen that all all over the place um 
But yeah, that tweet basically made it sound like top eight was all Abigail's. Yes, all Abigail's. uh, and it was like, I was like, what? And I, yeah, I had to go and research that a little bit. But I, I think I even said to you, I was like, yeah, I heard it may, may have been a shit show, but I haven't looked at it yet. And you're like, no, no, that was just a bunch of BS. I was like, okay. There's certainly some OP characters like Guile and Rashid. Those names get thrown around quite a bit. You had, there's this hilarious meme because like some people think Cammy is. So I really was like getting p- pissed off about Abigail. It was just like Cammy doing the uh, Homer Simpson into the bushes so that nobody paid attention to her. But we've been here. <laughs> we've been here before. This is how it goes. Like it's early. There's some balancing to do. Arcade Edition itself is, you know, fairly new at this point. I'm not super worried about it. And in the end, like we had a Minot Jury. Um, and an Akuma, you know, Kami, Rashid, Yurian, Guile, Colin, Ibuki. Like, that's a pretty diverse cast for the top eight. Like, yeah. we don't get down until we get to nine and 13 with Cool Kid and Snake Eyes that we mm-hmm. get Abigail. So, I mean, they, they, to be honest with you, coming from a world that I know a little bit more of, it could have been all key block variants. Just letting you know. Look at you. Uh, You've just been waiting the entire show to drop that, haven't you? No, bit. I actually just thought about it now. Just now. <laughs> He he stabbed his pen in my direction when he said Q block. <laughs> oh man! So we got a little bit of time left, so we're going to talk about something that Seven is far more comfortable in, which is we are getting oh. a Hearthstone expansion. He just like sat up in his chair. For those of you that can't see the video, which is all of you, um, <laughs> he just like sat up in his chair. Now the pen's twirling between his fingers. So Seven Hearthstone expansion. We're getting some new mechanics. Uh, we don't know a ton yet, so we're not going to be able to go super in depth. The card reveals start about a week from when you're listening to the show, but. Some some interesting stuff to chew on at this point, and one of the more plotting but hilarious uh, reveal videos. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I thought it was going to be really cheesy, really awful, and it ended up being mildly entertaining. It was kind of like playing like a Blair Witch. They're fi- trying to find someone in random clues, and they showed the cards, actually like real-life size cardboard cutouts of, of cards, and I thought it was going to be super awful, and it ended up being... Uh, Pretty entertaining. They're the best development team in gaming right now when it comes to that kind of stuff, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I I wonder how many takes it actually took them to get some of it, because it was like legitly good acting at points and don't tell some of them that because they'll think they they can stop making Hearthstone and go on and make something else. I'm just going to bring my sexy voice to cinema. Because usually you have just like that bad acting cringe moment. And you're like, oh, man, this, these guys should just stick to pl- doing game development. You mean like every time Kaplan does a dev video? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's embraced it, though. You just come to come to like accept like that's what's I happening. I don't even need a Dino Flask <laughs> video anymore because they're, they've melted yeah. together. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So they announced the Witchwood, uh, which is a mid-April release. Uh, ten, Only about 10 cards, I think, so far. Again, they had, uh, revealed a little bit right at the, at the beginning. The actual reveal started on the 26th. A couple cool things, though. One, uh, the pre-order is up to 70 packs now. So yeah. originally it was $50 for 50 packs. Now it's $50 for 70 packs. And which a pre-order is, card back. And a pre-order ca- card back as usual, But uh, which is great. I think the additional 20 is is amazing. Um, yeah. Again, Here's you can't... You can't actually, I don't believe you can actually buy it in app yet. I think you have to kind of go through and buy it online because they don't want to give that money over to (laughs) basically like, you know, Apple. Um, But um, (laughs) yeah, they've they've changed. They've added a couple keywords. Uh, Rush, which is basically the version of charge that can't go face. Uh, The version they wish they would have made, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, and again, but they haven't really printed charge cards in a while, printed, whatever. But uh, again, this is 
I think it was like it was a devil sore. I think was a, a perfect example of can charge but can't go face. Yep. Uh, at least for the first turn, uh, the turn in which it comes out. Uh, another keyword which is echo. That's a, a card that is playable multiple times per turn. So think like unstable evolution. You play it once, it gives you like a ghost copy in your hand. You can continue to play it. So they call it. Is, echo. is that what the mechanic looks like? Or so they're basically just yeah. like you get like a ghost copy, and then it's only after that turn, right? Like once that turn ends, I'm not going to be able to like go back to the well with that. It can only be no. As soon as you end turn, it disappears from your hand. Yeah, yeah so it doesn't count. Uh, and then the other kind of um, so it's been around. They haven't used a ton, which is the keyword of essentially start of game. Uh, which is the same mechanic that's triggered at the start of the match. So think like uh, Prince Malkazar. That's the one that puts all the legendaries, right? Correct, yeah. So throwing legendaries in your hand. In this case, it's along the lines of, at the start of game, if your deck has only odd cards, upgrade your hero power. Or if it uh, you know, if has um, only even cards, your hero power costs one throughout the game. So obviously you can't have both of them in the same deck. Yes. That, can because we talk that about start this for game. a second? Because I mean, mine—you know—I am Hearthstone, mm-hmm. Hearthstone. To me, at this point in my uh, playtime, is very much like the FGC is to you. I dabble in it, but I do not spend a lot of time. As to me, as an outsider, I look at this and I go, "Man, that feels like a lot of sacrifice." Even more so than I felt when we went to the days of no duplicates, right? Like when we were in the Reno Jackson meta, it was like, "Man, no duplicates feels like pretty painful." Yeah. This feels far worse because this just blows your curve up. In- but I'm curious if you either think that there must be another shoe to drop or if I just don't see the strength of this, like, looking at it now. Well, I mean, if you th- think about it, uh, a lot of these cards are taking place right out of the gate, right? So at the start of the game, if your deck only has odd cards, you immediately upgrade your hero power throughout the game. So, uh, and again, if you think about it, if it's only on odd cards... So turn one, you you will likely have a one drop. Turn two, you hero power, and it's an upgraded hero power. So you're getting better value out of it. And so that kind of is is a decent uh, step, I guess you could say, an upgrade. Again, we don't know what the trade-offs are. If you look at Cobalt's and Catacombs, um, there's a lot of inner, um, I could say, inner, I don't know, release or... I don't know. The other shoe needs to synergies. Drop. You think there's a synergy out there that maybe like modifies my deck post this happening potentially, or that I could pull uh, there's ways for me to pull cards into the deck or fix my curve maybe, in some way. Maybe. Again, it, it might be. I think honestly, when they release cards like this ahead of time and we know and they're kind of uh well known kind of cards, they're generally not the most powerful. We we know that they're not going to be like, here are the ones that we think are so totally meta-defining. Now, I think they will likely see some play, or they'll definitely see play with experimentation. I think people are already looking at, uh, I think it's, uh, again, Grey Main, which is start of the game, Hero Power Cost 1, or actually it's, uh, sorry, it's Glitter Moth, which is the one for Priest, which is the battle cry. It's a 5-mana, 4-4, four, four, the battle cry, if it hasn't, if your deck is only contains odd cost cards, double the health of all the other minions, which is crazy when you think of, uh, again, priest's ability to turn health into attack through like inner fire. Right. right. Uh, but again, inner fire is a two cost card, so you would either already have to have it in your hand because this isn't a start of game. This is a battle cry. You either have to already have it in your hand or have something uh, which we've seen people kind of pay more attention to recently, is, which is Void Ripper, which is switches everybody's health and, and attack. So there's already some in the current meta people 
toying with builds and cards to see, but it's still super early. We're looking at like 10 of 130 plus cards. Right, right. And they've been, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. The meta defining or the meta impacting cards often don't come until later, especially if they feel like there's a lot of context or synergies that need to be given to the players because they learned this lesson in the past with like bringing one part of the synergy without bringing the other and freaking people out. Well, they, yeah, they've definitely brought uh, cards uh, again in the past and, and reveals where they've revealed just the initials. And some people were like, holy shit, that's completely broken and freak out about it, right? Not knowing that there's other synergies. Or uh, what's funny is that the cards that we often freak out about tend to be the ones that don't ever find play right, because right. there's something better. And and so they definitely learned uh, through past reveals, and they've known this now for like essentially probably over a year, year and a half at this point. That uh, yeah, you don't release like the best cards ever right out the gate because then people start freaking out and people start theory crafting on those initially. And so there's more time. So there's uh, again when you when you reveal a card a week beforehand or even a couple of days beforehand of it actually launching, people have less time to theory craft on it and find the optimal way of using it. And extracting the most power of that kind of deck or deck archetype. So yeah, I mean, again, there's not a ton to talk about. Uh, I know I heard rumblings of what's called like a monster hunter mode. Yes. So it's their way of doing dungeon run. I haven't looked too much into it. It's been I've I've seen it pop up like twice, but I don't know a ton about it. But I know it's kind of like the additional content for this expansion. Yeah. So essentially, the gist of it. Again, we haven't seen a whole lot here yet. But you are up against bosses, and these bosses are heroes. And it sounds like this is going to be a system not only to extend dungeon runs and give you another way of playing dungeon runs, but also allow you to earn more playable heroes. So like basically, you can like there's a priest hero, and you can beat that priest hero, and then you get to like use that priest hero once you've beat them. So it's another mechanism for us to get more playable heroes. But there's not a whole lot there yet. Uh, They have unveiled four of them so far, um, but we don't know a whole lot about, like, mechanics or or how that's all going to work. So still a lot to be unveiled. It is early, but, you know, it's good. So And we're not too far off. Like, in the grand scheme of things, we've got a reveal coming up. But as you mentioned, mid-April, we're going to see this already. So these reveals are probably going to come pretty fast and furious and, you know, get that pre-order in so you can get that extra 20 packs, which is a huge deal. Like, that's a hell of a deal for a pre-order. Um, it is. It's the best deal that's been done so far. I can't think of another way of getting it cheaper. And on top of it, I'm excited for the middle of April because I think the week after this, if it hits mid-April, I believe the following week, maybe around like the 21st, 22nd, there's an actual like TESPA tournament that's uh, obviously collegiate. And so they tend to have a little more crazier, wilder decks. But this might it might actually be the first legit, unless there's a tour stop that happens, uh, it might be the first legit this. tournament with new cards and like seat story cup in last year uh well in december was a, a ton of fun simply because that was like right after kobolds was revealed it was like the week later and so we got to see a lot of cool things like you know spell hunter or spiteful some or spiteful summoner in in hunter so you just got in the q block made its reveal so there's just which now we all hate but again it was cool at the time because these decks weren't really they weren't around a week prior to that right so, right and it's before stuff. the meta's really taken hold so the experimentation yeah. is fun to watch because it's things that may not make it through but yeah. it's actually to a lot of people a more fun meta to watch because you don't necessarily know yeah. what you're gonna see yeah i mean it's again some of those decks are now not even mildly viable but it was cool because they did not exist prior yeah 
Yeah. So awesome. So more hopefully to come on that in the coming weeks as we get more reveals and we get closer to release. But I'm stoked for that. Like we haven't been able to talk about Hearthstone in a bit, and this is, gives us an opportunity to dive back in. <laughs> what? No, I'm saying you haven't you haven't talked about Hearthstone. Yeah, you talk about Hearthstone constantly, about but that's not that's like me <laughs> saying we don't ever get to talk about the FGC as I'm like over here like beating my well, face against the wall. Come on, come on. No, I did that. Uh, I did the Hearthstone. So you think you can cast thing for so many hours? I know, and you've had a big ego much. about it ever since. Big ego? Damn, yeah. heard anything back on that? We'll, we'll, we'll he's see. like, I'm we'll a future see. celebrity. You must kiss my finger. That's what he said. Yeah, right. So he's got this <laughs> pen now. He's using this pen as a scepter, trying to lord over the podcast. Oh, as always, you can tune into this show every Tuesday. Check us out on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or via RSS on our site at nerfthis.gg. As always, we appreciate them reviews, especially if you're Brianna Wu. You know, send those over our way. We'd love to hear more about how you no, feel I about I just want to know what that tweet said. Oh, man. It's not even that exciting. It's just she also, like, capitalized the S in eSports, which, you know, that just triggers people at this point. Uh, but you can do that over on the iTunes store. We always appreciate the feedback. And for the latest on the show, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at NerfThisGG, on Twitter at NerfThisCrew. And, of course, we have our Discord server, which is at NerfThis.GG slash Discord. So come on over and say hello or, uh, you know, try to school seven on the FGC or me on Hearthstone, you know. Whatever. He's going to be a celebrity soon, so you should get his signature. Because... Such an ass. Such an ass. <laughs> you give me shit, I'm going to give you shit. Uh, but that's going to do it. We will see everybody back here next week for yet another episode of Birth Birth.